What's up, party people? Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out more of our episodes at thisamericanhorrorstory.com or on iTunes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with Chris Husted, my co-host. Chris, say hi. Hey, everybody. Um, we have a lot to talk about tonight, but first, uh, I want to raise a toast to our most recent episode. Chris, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, you know what? Tonight I have a Cabernet Sauvignon. I am uh, out of bourbon, and I'm also a little tired from the uh, work in the elections last night, so I'm on wine. You know what? That's kind of funny, because I am out of bourbon as well, so I'm <laughs> drinking a Malbec. So I guess we will toast, you know what, in honor of Sister Jude and her new wino problem. Well, <laughs> her new old wino problem. We will toast to that as right. we begin. Cheers to communion. Um. As always, you can check us out at thisamericanhorrorstory.com and email your questions to thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. But uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Chris, any initial um, comments you'd like to make before we get into the kind of blow-by-blow? Not much, really. Uh, I I guess the only thing that kind of stood out to me is we saw a lot, again, of our female leads here, our female characters, and uh, I find that kind of inspiring in a way because of the election last night and how many, uh, how we've grown as as a nation to have, I I believe it was 20% female representation in the Congress. So uh, definitely a big up and a cheers to the women for taking over some seats in, in, in Congress representing our country. To the ladies. To the ladies. And at that note, let's dive right in. Now, I want to point out that we, for the first time so far this season, started the episode in the past. Which I'm wondering if we are just supposed to recognize that the present storyline has gone completely because our characters are both dead there. Right, what happened? <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> so, that's done and gone. Old news. We're now in the past, which is fine with me because we're jumping to the chase quicker here. Um, we start off with Sister Jude is going to visit the new patient. She walks in and uh, it's a woman who was set off by some anti-Semitic remarks in a bar. And so she attacks some people with uh, a broken bottle, I think I heard. That's right. Um, for their anti-Semitic slurs. So, Sister Jude asks her if she lost somebody in the war, meaning World War II, obviously. And the woman just starts whistling, which I found to be kind of creepy. Yeah, I didn't get that. I feel like maybe our, maybe our listeners might be able to like clue us in on that. I'm not sure what she was whistling. If anybody has any idea, go ahead and email us or something like that. But we're creepy nonetheless. Then we jump from there to kind of a storyline we're picking up from last week. Dr. Arden is injecting our nymphomaniac, Shelly, uh, Chloe Sevigny, with um, some sort of serum. Uh, she asks if she's going to die, and he says something about her probably living forever. I think we can pretty... I mean, obviously we saw it at the end, but we can pretty much determine at this point that he's turning her into one of his creepy rasper To things. a rasper. That's right. Yeah. Poor Shelly. She, she didn't do anything wrong except love 
you know, that stuff. <laughs> I would like to point out here that I predicted her demise in episode one. You did. So, good call to me. I'm going to toast to that as well. And you he's, just, he's just taking another drink here. Right. <laughs> Do you think that means anything, though? Like, t- taking the nymphomaniac and turning her into essentially a monster. I, I don't want to get too deep here. But does that re- represent something of what we do as a society, perhaps? I think that's a deep read. I think it's a very... <laughs> I mean, makes sense to me. Right. Definitely makes sense to me. Whether I don't know if that was intentional, but regardless, uh, I think you definitely hit on something. Um, so we go from this these kind of opening scenes, we go through the credits, and we start off with uh, back in the bread molding station, which is becoming a popular setting for us here. Um, Grace and Kit are kind of talking in there, and Grace notices that Kit's been beaten around a little bit. And so we we see that he's been beat up by Dr. Arden. He's got the cutlet. Right, because Arden is still freaking out that somehow Kit is a covert agent for the KGB or for something. And wonders how that spider, what happened to that weird spider alien thing that crawled out of his head. Right. Or his neck. His neck. um, Where it went. And so he takes some x-rays and stuff like that. Um, But we have a really interesting kind of um, scene here where where Kit's really starting to question his sanity, basically. Um, And at this point he says something to grace that your story is who you are in this place i thought that was a pretty significant line i mean i mean what did you think when you heard that right right when i when i first saw heard that and i seen kit become basically a little um subservient to this idea that maybe he is crazy uh maybe you know maybe all these people are are right and he's the wrong one that's something i think at least a lot of movies and books head on when when it comes to uh, insane asylums, because you know, at what point, if everyone's telling you that you're the wrong one, when do you finally realize that? Oh no, maybe I am the wrong one, even though you may not be. So I, I definitely saw that uh, that whole sequence as a few of our characters hinting that they either need to keep their sanity and and uh, play the game, or actually start questioning. Uh, uh, who they actually are, and and if if they've been telling the truth, or if the, what the truth actually is. Where whereas where we have the difference between Kit and Lana, absolutely. And I would, I mean, I also think that with that statement, you know, your story is who you are. We're talking about a place where clearly, I mean, the asylum itself is meant to beat you down. It's meant to treat you as something subhuman. And so I kind of felt like maybe what he was saying with this a little bit is like. Your story is all you is is what gives you identity in a place like this, where everybody is treated basically like an animal. That that's all you can do to re- retain some sense of yourself or retain some sense of humanity in a place that treats you, you know, right. Like, your answer like is way better than mine. That's, no, no, no. That's I way. think that no, they no, it, it is. They're it both is. on target. <laughs> um. So now we jump into Grace's story. We finally get to hear a little bit about her background. Now she tells him... Oh, Lizzie Borden. She tells him that she was home on her her farm. She hears a noise. It sounds like the early hours of the morning. She's in, you know, her and her sister are asleep in the bedroom. She hears a noise, which is clearly an axe chopping body parts. Um, Sneaks down the hall, opens the door, finds a man attacking her father with an axe. She screams... 
runs down the stairs as he chases her. She hides in a closet, only to find that there's a big pile of chopped up body parts dripping right behind her, which is apparently her stepmother. Um, she says that essentially her sister, it, it was her sister, and this was her sister's lover who was killing people, that they wanted to um, take the farm. And so they killed the mother and stepfather and framed Grace, basically, right. to, to get the farm. According so, to Grace. Right, and so she's innocent. She, we have this whole sob story, and she gives us a line about how she felt so free riding her horse, which I'm not sure what the relevance really is of that at this point because she brought it up again later. I feel like we'll see something more about that later on, I, I would assume. Yeah, because Kit even said at some point, like, you'll ride your horse again yeah, or somewhere. You'll ride like, free again. I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> obviously, freedom's a theme, but I thought that was pretty cheesy. But <laughs> yeah, it was. Anyway. <laughs> Jump to a very interesting subplot we had going on in this story. Lana and Dr. Thredson. I'm um, loving this storyline, by the way. I love... I think this is great. So Thredson approaches her in the common room uh, and says... He basically asks her where she was during the movie. He knows that they snuck out. Um, we have a flashback to the movie night when they were all soaking wet and, you know, drunk and Sister right. Jude was stumbling up and down the aisle. Clearly it's obvious that they snuck out because they were sopping wet compared to right. everyone else. It, Exactly, and he's pretty observant, so he noticed that. But he says to her that it's okay, he's not going to tell anybody. He realizes she doesn't belong here. Um, he wants to help her. He sees himself in her. I thought that was an interesting comment. Um, I wonder if that's hinting at something in his past. I guess we'll see. Right. Um, but he wants to cure her lesbianism. Mm-hmm. Now, when he originally said this, I thought he was insinuating that, he was, that she would have to have sex with him to get out of there. You now, thought that, really? That's what I thought right there. Oh, I didn't um, that was clearly a misread, but obviously uh, that sex was a part of it. So we'll go into that a little bit later when we go back. Right, here we are. I got that impression sex. of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely a major uh, point in, in this episode. I did write down, though, when he was speaking to her, he called her thoughtful, intelligent. Like he, he, I mean, he was pretty much nailing all, all the um, characteristics that the viewer has seen Lana B or Lana. Yet he still thinks lesbianism is a mental disorder. Absolutely, but he Wait, seems so, I mean, insane. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. It is. I mean, he seems to be still the most reasonable of the you know um, people in authority in this story. But even he is flawed in his logic. So I mean, just goes to show no one's perfect. I guess um, as as clearly. he said he was, <laughs> or no, as Jude Jude says she was she was later on. This is way right. We're all sinners. (laughs) (laughs) So back to the common room. We have um, our new patient writing a letter to her sister, somebody, um, reminiscing about a past experience in which she was confined. Um, So if you know anything about the title of this episode, you already know you knew who she was beforehand or who she says she was. I was going to ask Doctor Arden enter. Do oh, we, go ahead. Do we know her name yet? I, I forget when we actually find out what her name is. We find is. it out in the common room. Okay, I okay. had Sorry, looked online. And, yeah, yeah. So, so Dr. Arden comes in. She sees him, gets up, yells at him that, you know, you were in Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. Don't you remember, doctor? I'm bum-bum-bum. And Frank. What? And Frank. And what? fucking Frank is what? in the house, what? in the asylum. Crazy. So that was an interesting development out of out of nowhere, but I guess we kind of had a feeling that Arden was potentially a Nazi. Listen, we have aliens, we have zombie monsters, we have a serial killer, we have exorcisms. Why not throw the Holocaust in? 
You know what? In this story needed a good Nazi. That's what I was saying <laughs> the, after last week's episode. And I'm glad that we got that. Right. So, how, how in the hell are they going to have a season three of, of this at all? They're, they're, they're using every horror movie trope in this season, I feel like. Yeah, they're going to run out of creatures. They're going to have to set it in, like, you know, Salem Witch Trial times or something like that. <laughs> That's my suggestion. <laughs> I, I do. Um, actually, before we move on, real quickly, you, you have on Facebook said. Uh, recommended uh, a, a possible storyline for season three, which I love the idea of. Do you remember what you wrote? Remind me. Uh, Haunted Hotel. That's right, that's right. That was after I watched The Shining. Haunt, Haunted Hotel was my idea for season three. Brilliant. I think it could be terrifying. I would like to see that right. happen. Okay, so Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk, do not use that in this season. Use it next season, by all means. But do not... Throw that on the wall with with all these other ones as well. For right, and now. thank you for and thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Totally. And okay, and, and put so, Tyler on Glee. He's a really good singer. <laughs> Back to the storyline. We have um, Jude is talking to Anne about Anne Frank about this whole new development, um, saying it's not possible. You're Anne Frank. You died in the camp. But Anne says, no, I survived. I, you know, basically changed my identity. I was a thief, and then I was brought to the U.S. by an American, and we got married, and then he was shipped back off, and he died. Um, and then she says something about, you know, why didn't you make an attempt to contact your father um, and, you know, basically show who you were? And Anne essentially says that it was important to her to keep the girl who wrote the diary a martyr for... You know, the cause of, you know, to you know, fight against anti-Semitism everywhere, and basically. And so she kind of didn't want to revisit her identity. So why she's bringing that back up now isn't quite clear. Or how she happened to stumble into a madhouse where a Nazi doctor is, I think. I guess we're assuming that was probably intentional. Right. I, I um, will say right off the bat, though, um, just hearing this woman's name is Anne Frank. And they, they give her a pretty good, uh, sane uh personality it seems and who's going to root against Anne Frank I mean come on so I the, I, I wrote down you know you're rooting for her she's obviously a hero to everyone who was a kid and read her diary uh, and, and she, she 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 calls herself she as like what do you think I'm a martyr or something like that well in the book yeah she absolutely she is and clearly she's a strong woman again here so right. everybody who's going to root you, against her <laughs> Shame on you if you're anti-Anne A Nazi. That's who is. <laughs> like our friend Hans Gruber, no, a.k.a. Gruber. Dr. Arden, uh, a former SS officer. We have an interesting flashback to the Holocaust in which um, Anne recounts how she saw Dr. Arden picking twins off of a train. Originally, he thought she thought he was doing good things by you know, coming into their bunker and flipping a coin to see which girl he was going to take. Well, he was taking them to experiment on them just as he is doing also here played, in, uh, played by a very convincing uh, younger version Dr. Arden I must say I agree I agree that guy definitely looked like he could have been a young, younger version of Dr. Arden I don't know where they found him spot on though wow spot on <laughs> um, so kind of creepy scenes and the weird um, sepia tone camera they had going on here a little bit um, and so we get this idea that he was a Nazi doctor um but Jude doesn't believe this story until Anne whips out her arm and bam! Tattoo. She's, 
She's got the numbers, her call number, her Jew call, Jewish call number is tattooed right there in her arm. So, there's her evidence. She's legit. Now, simultaneously at the same time, Dr. Threadson is talking to Kit. And he says, Kit, you know, you know what, I have an ethical dilemma here. Um, I don't believe you're crazy, but if I tell the people you're not crazy, you're going to get the electric chair. And so, I believe you're innocent, but you are a victim of the brutish society that basically you killed and skinned your wife because you couldn't deal with the pressure of society about you, you know, marrying somebody else, you know, having an interracial marriage. Right. So, which he wants I, you... I have an issue with this. <laughs> I don't know about you, but okay, sure, this guy's probably seen. Maybe he had a lot of pressure dealing with this issue of interracial marriage in the early 60s. Oh, I, I get that. That sucks. Absolutely. I, I haven't been through it, but I, I can only imagine what it would be like. However, does that truly warrant going off on a killing spree of a few women, skinning them, beheading them, and then as a doctor, would you really say, listen, I know you killed a few ladies, but you were under a lot of pressure, so I can get you out of here. Really, Dr. Threatson, this is kind of a, this is so much different than Lana's situation, which he wants to get her out as well. I agree. If Threadson really is some sort of rational person and he really does believe that this one doesn't of, make sense that somehow Kit did it, then I don't know how he can think that releasing Kit back into society is a good idea. Right. Um, but his theory is essentially that Kit is cutting, you know, because before Kit's wife was murdered, there was two other women that were killed, a librarian and a secretary. And Threadson's theory is that these women who were white, he was removing their skin because the skin was the issue here with the interracial marriage, and somehow that was symbolic of him not being able to deal with color. Right. The color. So this is uh, Threadson's big theory, although Kit still says it was not me. Right. So let's go back now to the common room where we have Lana. Mm-hmm. She is in line to take her crazy pills, and I has a little this. bit. I love this p- portion. Has a little bit of a um, fantasy here, where she's accepting a journalism prize for exposing Briarcliff and all its um, injustices against his prisoners. I want to ask you about this. So, as you're describing it, I also want to know what you think about this. Being a journalist yourself, like, do you relate to this? <sighs> I relate to her and, well... It's an ambitious thing she's dealing with right now. She has ambition. That is, that is, I think, what we learn in this. You know what? I think good for her for still being dedicated to the cause after all she's been through. Especially knowing that she seems to think that maybe her, you know, her girlfriend is dead. So, I don't know if she can be... If we should be proud of her or impressed with her for still being dedicated to trying to expose Briarcliff, or maybe we think that her priorities are misplaced if she's still con- concerned with her own ambition at a time when she's basically fighting for survival, and she is pretty much aware of the fact that her girlfriend was killed. Right. I, I have my theory, too, um, but you you can... Uh, I mean, so I'll, I'll just say it right now. She's up there. And she's thank she's going through and thanking different people that are patients there. You know, she's up there accepting this award. The head banging girl, yeah, the chronic head banging girl, the masturbator, exactly, creepy. right. I, I, in my mind, I kind of saw it as 
that there's still a piece of her mind left in there. Like this is still she's still the girl we saw in episode one, where mm. she has this ambition and she wants she wants to win her Pulitzer. She wants you know be one of the first or few women that have done this. Um, so she's she's not lost yet. She's not completely a mess in her mind through even though she's had this electroshock therapy from Dr. Arden and Sister Jude is clearly just dropping down the hammer on her left and right. You know, and maybe I wasn't giving her enough credit either because, you know, you've got to figure that this is part of what is helping her keep her sanity at a time when she's confined and been right. electroshock therapy and abused, that she has a purpose. Right, is, exactly. Is what's driving her forward. There's and so, so much there. You kind of got to respect that. I mean, like like Kit said, you know, everyone has to cling to their story, and this is her story. Her story forward. is telling the story. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, you need you have to have some aspect to stay sane right. in a place where everyone's crazy. I'm, lo- I'm loving her more and more every episode, to be honest. Like, I, I really like her. She, she's really, she's putting in work and trying to get out of there, but doing it in a very smart way. Right. And so, she takes the pills. She takes the medicine. She plays the game. Exactly, and she goes to Thread and sits and says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get out of here. So, uh, now let's go to Kit and Grace. Very sexy scene we have going on here. Kit is very angrily smashing his his uh, bread loaf. <laughs> is that his a euphemism? And Grace comes in, and he basically says to her, what if I am crazy? What am I? And grabs her by the throat, and like that was which scary. okay. Was he, I have to say here, this is what I missed about last because last season Evan Peters was terrifying. I thought that he was such a creepy, not know what he's going to do character, and so far he's been kind of goody two shoes this season a little bit, which I've missed the creepy aspect of him, and so I liked this little bit wild card kit thing going on here a little bit. Right, you got to keep us guessing a little bit. So he grabs her by the throat and she says, "I don't care what you are." And so that totally turns them on. They start making out and have sex on the bread table. Very unsanitary, I'd like to go ahead and say here. Right, I'm, some not, people I'm are, not buying that loaf. There's some nasty fluids going into someone's loaf of bread. Ew. But I'm sorry, that was a little over the <laughs> Anyway, as they're finishing up, a guard walks in and catches them. So we cut to them in Sister Jude's office. Eunice, Sister Eunice's. Oh, sorry. Re, no, real quick. I for, I was just looking at my notes really quickly, and um, when he has her by the throat and is I forget what he is actually saying to her. She's she's saying she doesn't care who he is. She just wants to be with him. Right. And that I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, okay, go for it. But especially yeah. at this point when he's not even sure who he is. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, that that's that says a little desperation, but that makes sense for her character because we've been wondering what, <laughs> why is she so adamant about like being nice and and becoming this guy's buddy? Well, I think it's also hinting at the fact that she's obviously a little bit crazy too. Clearly, um, well, yeah, well, we which we learn later, but anyway, <laughs> right. And so we go to Sister Jude's office where after they got caught. Kit- after they got caught, where Kit and Grace are waiting patiently to be punished, Sister Eunice is helping to pick out the cane. Oh dear, Eunice! Um, they're about to kind of get going. Well, first, Sister Jude makes this favorite this quote of the night. Right? Are you talking about the serpent and the apple? Oh, I was talking about the one after that. 
Oh, trying to make a murder baby? Oh, Is yeah. That what we're talking about? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. A murder baby? <laughs> A murder baby, which is actually, I thought, a little bit of an allu- or a, a call out to last season. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, that was great. Uh, but so she says that uh, we're going to be looking here at sterilization potentially for Grace and Kit, so that Yikes. way they uh, stop their uh, mating. <laughs> when a guard comes in and says, "Oh, there's some detectives here to question Doctor Arden," and so they're interrupted. Um, Eunice asks if she can walk Kit back. Um, Grace leaves with the guard. Jude leaves to go see what's up with Arden. And Eunice pulls out a file and throws it down in front of Kit and says, You know what? Grace might not be exactly as innocent as she pretends to be. Right. Which is, if we know that she's possessed right now, Eunice that is, what's what's the purpose of this? Like, Why why would she want Kit to see uh, Grace's evil side? I'm feeling like Eunice's function here is to just pit people against each other and kind of create general havoc. Although, I mean, it kind of ends up connecting them in a way, but we'll talk about it in a couple minutes here. Right. Um, now to Sister Jude walking in on Arden and the detectives. Um, we find out that Dr. Arden has been accused of roughing up, of, uh, roughing up a lady of the night. <laughs> Who, as we'll remember from two episodes ago, there was the prostitute that just wanted to get her business done with, but he wanted to cook her a nice dinner and then um, do some dirty work. And she needed to act on. like an actual lady to him. Well, not just a lady. He had her dressed up like a nun. And <clears throat> we see something we didn't see before, though. Earlier, earlier, we just saw her, you know, she stumbles across these creepy photos in his bathroom. Not only were there creepy photos, but there was some Nazi paraphernalia in there as well that we were not aware of. In the past episode. Right. And so Arden says this is all a lie, but Jude hears this Nazi stuff and is thinking, well, maybe Anne Frank is not so crazy. Um, In the meantime, back to our very interesting storyline of Threadson and Lana. Threadson is showing Lana a slideshow of naked ladies, and Lana is vomiting into a bucket. Um, this is not because of the naked ladies. I'm assuming it's because of the morphine. Although I'm sure that being subjected to that over and over again is not right. helping. I, I don't know if it's more. It's definitely something that's making. I mean, he he mentions it. It's aversion therapy. Um, so he's, yeah, he's giving says, her something that's making her physically vomit to these photos that would n- normally stimulate her or turn her on. He says he's training the body to be physically repelled by certain triggers. Um, I'm thinking Clockwork Orange, except instead of a you know, musical cue here. We're having a naked lady cue. Uh, but it's not working. And he show, he brings up a picture of Lana's girlfriend. Right. I forget her uh, name. I, I mean, I know that Clee Duval is the actress, but I forget the, her actual name. I, w- I will say, okay, never, never mind. No, you, 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 let's finish this segment, but... Yeah. Okay. No. No matter what. Anyway, he 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 quits it really early. If this is truly their first session, it's like it looks like it's like a twenty minute session. He's like, well, this isn't clearly working. Not that I'm, gave, I'm not advocating this, by the way. People, li- listen. He does give up. He does give up very quickly, which I think we can consider <laughs> positive. Funny, but in in order but to move so, the story along, <laughs> it's not working. Yeah, no kidding. Um, she, she cries when she sees a picture of her girlfriend. She asks for more morphine. She continues puking. Right. And, and where then, did you get this? And he says, well, when I went to your house. Ooh. Right. Which means so he's digging. So he clearly was digging through her shit a little right. bit, which is a little bit, uh, weird to begin with. Um, but then he says, okay, it's time for the conversion party. Brings in this, um, 
a male guy. model that's also a, a patient <laughs> right exactly but i would like to note that he has long hair for a man this is a very i mean there's feminine aspects to this guy you know what i mean he has the, true he has a, some long of an hair. androgynous look Exactly, and so maybe it's kind of Threadson's idea of like, okay, this is our in-betweener to get you from, you know, A to B here. <laughs> That's funny. Also, I would like to know that Threadson's a little bit of a perv, kind of given these it instructions. Was, it was weird, it was weird. <laughs> and I mean, it kind of makes sense for, I mean, he, he keeps uh, a, a calm, cool, and collected face, and he's composed the whole time, but the way he delivers his lines, like, uh, I don't know. Did you know what he? Did you write it down? What he said about like? Uh... I did. Okay. So he okay. says, Danny. He tells Daniel to disrobe, <laughs> and then Lana, Lana's not feeling it. And he says, "Well, first you need to touch yourself," because um, she says, "I don't have to touch him, do I?" And he says, "No, you can start by touching yourself." And then she tells him to. He tells her to focus on his genitals. <laughs> I was uh, cringing at all. It's like this is so uncomfortable. Then he says, you should try to touch his member. <laughs> so I think she said tumult, oh gosh, what was it? Um, I can't believe I'm Googling this right now. What I wrote is that he says, to, he tells her to touch his me- the guy's member. And then he says, try to relate the, pr- the pleasure. We're all rooting for you. <laughs> Which I thought was a very funny that, one. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the uh, awkward, like, oh gosh, this is so awkward. And then she pukes again yeah. and says, oh, I can't do it. And he says, well, this is not going to work clearly. <laughs> yeah. But Tumescence. That's what, that's what she says. Like, try to relate the, that pleasure to his tumescence or whatever. And tumescence, if you don't know what that means, uh, Google it. I'm not saying it on here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I'm going to have to go Google that now. But I just remember because um, that word, I haven't heard that word in a long time. So Threadson says, okay, this is clearly not going to work. We're going to have to start somewhere else. Um, in the meantime, Jude is, Sister Jude is confronting the Monsignor about uh, Arden and says, you know, did you know they're investigating Arden? I think he's a Nazi. Um, and the Monsignor basically says, your obsession with Arden has to stop. That you're getting it from an unreliable source. Now you're believing this patient who thinks she's Anne Frank. You're just going to believe anything to get Arden out of the way. Um, and basically kind of berates her and upsets Sister Jude. Um, and even brings up her alcoholism. And right. says, you know, who, who can trust you? You've been on the drink again. Um, we're all, why don't you go and pray on it? Well, then uh, Jude leaves. Cut to Arden. He gets a phone call while he's cutting up Shelly some more. And it's the Monsignor. And he says, they're on to you, so if you have any skeletons in the closet, you better clean those out. Well, he does so, have one, and she loves sex. So we realize that our Monsignor is not very pure either, right. and He's he in... happens to be in cahoots with the Nazi doctor. Exactly what I wrote, in cahoots. <laughs> That's what I have here, in cahoots with two exclamation points. Yep. Uh, so Arden's going to have to be cleaning out his closet, so to speak, here. So Jude is very um, unsure of herself at this point because she doesn't want to upset her Monsignor, but she's pretty determined uh, to do something about Arden, the Nazi doctor. So she's out in the woods with Mother Superior. Who knows where Mother Superior came from all of a sudden? Right. I've never seen her yet, but there's, there always has to be one. So, well, Yeah. Um, but they're walking through the woods, and she tells her about Arden being a sadist, being a Nazi. Um, and 
Mother Superior gives a very feminist uh, kind of retort about how men are always reacting out of fear for their own mistakes. And they want to cover their tracks or whatever, which I thought was very interesting for a culture that is supposedly so subservient to, you know, it's a patriarchy. Right. We'll call her uh, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, the the, the, <laughs> the new congresswoman. But uh, Mother Superior makes it pretty clear that uh, she is a fixer for this sort of situation. Um, I, I, I'm thinking of Breaking Bad style fixer here, but we'll see what happens. Um, but Mother Superior has somebody that's going to get involved. We don't know any more about that at this point in time. Right. Um, so, back to ourselves, where Eunice is bringing Kit back to his, his cell. And Grace says, you know, are they okay? Did they do anything to you? And Kit says, why'd you lie to me? You killed your stepfather. Or, sorry, your father and your stepmother. You, you know, there was no weird deal going on with your sister. It was you. And Grace, and Grace says... It was me. Um, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> she, she gives this story. Now, I think the, the way the story went is that she says she was molested. Her father molested her from right. childhood. And she tried to tell her stepmother, and her stepmother basically brushed it off. And did she say she gave her candy or something like that? I don't know if I misheard that line. Oh yeah, she gave her she gave her candy to keep her quiet or something, or just to like uh, appease her, uh, basically. So after so many years. Grace had enough and killed them both with an axe. And so we kind of see the scene replayed with Grace as the killer. Which I, I wanted to ask you, are you familiar with the, uh, it's not really a nursery rhyme, but it, it, it's a little poem about Lizzie Borden. Have you heard that one? I have. Okay. <gasps> Lizzie. That's it. Uh, yeah. So th- this this reminds me completely of Lizzie Borden because she says that um, uh, it's her stepfather and stepmother. I believe. Well, fill, fill in our listeners on the story of Lizzie Borden. Okay, right. so uh, the, the the poem is, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. So it's about this, this girl that kills her, her parents, but... Um, a, well, who is a real historical figure. Who, who really is in the, in the 1800s, I, be, I think it was 1800. I mean, it was 1800s, yeah. I think so too. Uh, but uh, she was acquitted for it. I remember, like she got away free. But anyway, the, that that nursery rhyme or poem has been a big uh, uh, um, uh, staple in uh, growing up uh, in, in American history, essentially. So I, I really truly think that this Grace's storyline, even though she's French, <laughs> is inspired by Lizzie Borden. It sounds like. And interesting that her name in real life is what Lizzie Borcher or something like that. I mean, it's surprisingly close. Is that her last name? Oh, good. Oh, good call. I don't remember what her real name is. That might be right, though. That sounds right. Well, we'll follow up on that in a few minutes. But I'm pretty sure that her name is Lizzie something. Not that that's the, obviously that's the actress's name, not the it, character's name. Right, but it could be an inspired story. Lizzie Brocher, B-R-O-C-H-E-R-E. Whoa, that's creepy. So, Whoa, Lizzie Borden hyphen Brocher. Inter- interesting. That's all I'm going to say. Right. I- interesting. Anyway, um, so, you know, she says that she was molested. She killed her family. And then she says to Kid, are you basically, are you repulsed by me? Have I opened your eyes to who I really am or whatever? And he says, I'm cool with that. I admire you. Hell, I don't know if I'm crazy or not, so why not? Cool. I might have killed my wife and two other ladies. So now, I mean, we're at a place where these were supposed to be our protagonists here, but now we're not really sure about either of them because they, well, 
I don't really blame Grace here because clearly she was molested, and I mean, I'm not advocating murder. Well, so she said. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying this whole storyline. So she says she already lied once. That's true. Unreliable narrators. You can't necessarily take them for their word. But it's just so frustrating as an audience. I love it because you never know. But same thing with Kit. So same thing with Kit. So we kind of have a parallel storyline between these two, and maybe that's what draws them together a little bit. Right. Um, Back to the common room. Lana is kind of laying in a chair, clearly spent after her whole puking naked picture session. Um, Threadson enters. He apologizes to her. He gives her the photo of the girlfriend to keep and and basically says, I'm going to take you with me when I leave next Friday. No matter what, I'm going to find a way to take you with me. You don't belong here. So I think that's something we're going to follow up with next episode is whether or not they make it out. Obviously... They're not going to make it out because we would be losing two of our characters here. It'll be interesting to see what stops them. But it it was nice to have an episode where they're all like not trying to escape. <laughs> yeah, no actual right. escape attempts took place at this point in time. Um, now we cut to Kit, who in this episode he's kind of come full circle to the point where at the very beginning he was completely denying everything. To the point where he was very much questioning himself. To the point now he's in Sister Jude's office. And he is kind of confessing. He says, you know, is it true that God sees everything? And Jude says yes, although she's a little bit nervous about this. Because she's thinking about her car crash and and wondering if God saw that. But um, Kit says that he thinks he must have killed them. Because everyone's telling him that he's killed them. Kind of like you were talking about earlier. That basically he... You know, so many people are telling him that he's the killer, that he's kind of, I mean... if you got to believe it a little bit. I mean... You start to believe it. He's questioning his own sanity. And so he says to her sister, I need to be forgiven. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with him now that he is kind of submitting to his crazy. Uh, but I guarantee that'll be an interesting thing to follow next episode. And hopefully that'll make him a little bit scarier because we can have him as... A little bit of a wild card again instead right. of our. Well, game. it's interesting because you have. I think there's a big parallel in this in this episode between uh, Kit and between Lana because they're both kind of coming to terms with their uh, incarceration, and they're both handling it in different ways. Lana is, as we're going to talk about in a second, is kind of playing the game. You know, she's the uh, um, Th- Doctor Threadson has spoken with both of them about how he thinks that they're both sane, uh, that they just are a little messed up, and he wants to help them and he wants to get them out. Lana handles it by playing the game. Uh, Kit handles it by starting to believe that he actually might be crazy, which I, you know, in a, in in an, in a show like this, who knows? Like my first instinct is that oh crap, they're going to both be reversed and eventually we'll find out that Lana actually was insane the whole time and Kit is normal. Or it could be the opposite where Kit just slowly uh, spirals down into getting crazier and crazier. You know, and Lana is our superhero in this, our heroine that tries to overcome this. But either way, they're they're both progressing through the same storyline right now and they're choosing different uh, ways out. I would like to say with Kit, let's not forget... That he had the... I mean, we saw that bug thing climb out of him. We know that was there. Arden saw it, is still questioning him about it. That is not something conjured out of his mind. And so that continues to make us question... I mean, e- even as we are kind of questioning Kit's sanity here, that could... And also, we saw Bloody Face attack 
Lana's girlfriend when Kit was clearly in the prison. So we know that Kit cannot... I mean, it right. seems... We know he's not bloody face. Right, so unless there's... Well, we assume he's not. <laughs> but I, I, think we're, I think it's safe to say, yeah. Exactly. And I would also like to point out here that as Kit's saying this, you can see Sister Jude looking a little bit uncomfortable. A, I think that's because she's kind of still... Clearly still reconciling the fact that she hit this little girl so long ago with her car and God is watching and she can, you know, is still continuing to kind of pay for that every day. The other part being, let's keep in mind, Sister Jude saw that weird creature in the, was that last episode? That she saw that thing in the hall that was we thought oh, was God, I forgot about that. That was so crazy. Yeah. So I, Sister... Yes. So Sister Jude is saying, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe you are crazy, but I... I, I, Oh, God, maybe she's crazy. What's happening? Oh, my God. So I was getting the feeling at the same time that even as she was, you know, Kit was saying, you know, am I really believing in aliens? Sister Jude was kind of thinking maybe, you know, am I really believing in aliens? (laughs) She's like, I don't know. Are you? Am I? What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know. I'm loving Jude more and more, even though she's so a little crazy with her discipline. She's becoming more and more compelling as a character. Yeah, so whose sanity is still intact? It's hard to say at this point. I guess Lana and Thredson, maybe. Um, That's who we're led to believe. Specifically, Thredson. He he seems to be still the voice of reason. Even though he wants to get Kit out and thinking that... Even though he believes that he actually did kill all those women. Anyway. Yeah, and even Arden seems to be losing a little bit. You know, he's so... um, Freaked out about the fact that you know somebody's trying to spy on him, and let's so this let's use that to segue into our last scene of the episode. Arden brings Anne Frank into his lab. Um, he calls her a liar as she continues to accuse him of being a Nazi doctor. He locks the door um, because he's basically going to attack her. But oh, she has a gun! <laughs> what a badass <laughs> that she stole from one of the detectives as they were leaving. Funny that they didn't notice that their gun was missing after leaving the asylum. <laughs> that long, yeah. yeah. That's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> but she has a gun. She tells him to confess. He moves toward her. She shoots him in the leg. He's squirming in pain on the floor. She hears a noise in the room nearby. What's in the room? She says. Give me the key. He gives her the key. She opens the door. What do we see? Our nymphomaniac uh, Shelly is a rasper. Well, we don't know if she's full-blown rasper yet. I don't think she is full-blown yet because she's like, save me. But... She's like in the HIV stage, basically. <laughs> if we're comparing to diseases, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not full-blown yet, but... Um... So she is Shelly. She's becoming a rasper. I think we can pretty much say with confidence that this is going to be near the end of Chloe Sevigny's tenure on American Horror Story. She's going out big, though. <laughs> she certainly is, and close. Now, I would like to remark that this episode is named, or it was called, um, I Am Anne Frank Part 1. So next, right. next week we are going to have I Am Anne Frank Part 2. I mean, my question is, like, looking to the future, if there's going to be an I Am Frank and Frank Part 2, as we know in this series, a lot of these characters end up deceased. Are they seriously going to try to get rid of Anne Frank? I mean, that I feel like that's kind of 
scandalous and dangerous for someone to tackle. I guarantee it. I am a ninety. Get you basically. You're saying they're going to kill Anne Frank. I think they're going to kill Anne Frank next episode for sure. That's my prediction right now. Anne Frank is going to die. Um, It'll be interesting. She has a gun though. It'll be interesting to see what. Well, what becomes of her? But that's my prediction right now. Anne Frank is going to be dead. Um, And Frank the Rasper might be coming up. Potentially. (laughs) So, let's talk next episode. Um, Well, first of all, okay, before we talk next episode, let's say overall, what do you think? This episode compared to past episodes? I liked this episode a lot. Um, I I was pretty happy with it, even though I wasn't very scared in it. I thought, I mean, it it was kind of a complete uh, sidetrack from the... uh, the the typical story narrative that each of these characters have had, but it still moved the story along. Um, so I, I've been getting used to our three uh, supposedly sane characters, uh, Grace, Kit, and Lana, trying to escape every episode now. And I and you know you want them to get out, but every time they run into some type of an obstruction or a roadblock, roadblock, uh, this time they're kind of stuck in the asylum and they have to deal with they each have their own storylines that they have to deal with and like I said earlier I liked the parallel between uh, Kit and Lana so I I, I, I very much appreciated the story uh, even though we had the most random introduction of one of our literary heroes Anne Frank <laughs> definitely out of the blue um, I would say, what do you think I would say that I feel like I'm getting more used to the fact that this season, I think we have to come to terms with it's a different. It's a different season than last season. You know, there's different characters. It's becoming a different show in a sort of way. Where this season, with all these different storylines, it's not as consistently scary as last season. Where every episode, I felt like you know there was like a very it was slower moving. There was like a build up to a scary moment. There's a lot more going on in this season. Um, True. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing at all. It's just different. And in a lot of ways, this show is becoming. I mean. The plot's a lot more intricate, and I think it's... I mean, I think they're doing a good job. I think the plot was really interesting in this particular episode, and it's becoming more of a well-scripted drama, I would even say. I agree. I think it's kind of... It's moving a little bit further away from the horror aspect, although clearly that's still something that's going to continue, but becoming more of a drama. I I agree. Uh, Season one, I was... Anytime anyone walked down into the basement, I got scared. I was like, oh, no, girl, what you doing going down there? Don't do that. You know, Violet, get out of there. Season one, I... Okay, this is a little bit uh, deeper reading. Season one, I felt like was playing with the, uh, you know, like the sort of terror when something jumps out at you, you know, kind of the the easy scares a little bit, you know what I mean? It was, like I said, like slower build-up, the storyline was a little bit easier to follow, and it was kind of the um, more typical horror movie setting and everything like that. This is a lot more complex um, storyline, and I think we're kind of getting getting the horror a different way. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to continue, but it's a lot, it's... There's a lot more to think about. You know what I mean? It's it's like they're trying right. they're trying to approach horror from different angles, which I respect. I mean, I think they're exploring sure. they're you know they're exploring the genre. It's still like all over the map. Which like last season, we you know we always understood like if someone died that they're not gone forever. You know, it's is a ghost world. There's ghosts in this house, this world, the in the asylum. We have so many things happening 
that it's hard to get scared about one specific thing so far. So the horror, the scary aspect isn't really there for us yet. But I agree, absolutely, as far as the drama goes, we're getting some good storylines happening here, specifically Jude, Lana, Erlana, and Kit. And I'm very impressed at how quickly these characters have developed, because we remarked before that we thought it was a little bit crammed on the front end, that there was a lot of exposition in the first few episodes. But now as we're kind of getting into it, and we... I mean, you've got to keep in mind, they have one season to... You know, it, it's a, it's only 13... Tell a whole story. Exactly. It's only, what, like 13 episodes to tell a whole story. You don't get seasons and seasons to get to know these characters. And so, right. it kind of makes sense that it's a little bit more front-loaded. But now, I mean, you feel like we're pretty quickly getting invested in these characters' stories. Right. We have a lot of background for them. This is episode four, and it feels like we should be, you know, episode ten. <laughs> I mean, how much do we know about Sister Jude's past? How much? I mean, Arden, we're still learning things, but he, we've seen him in so many crazy situations. Um, right. We've seen, I mean, Kit and Grace continue to develop, and Lana, I mean, too. We've seen these characters evolve within a, you know, a four episode span. Right. In four episodes, Jude has gone from this crazy, mean woman to someone that we're starting to sympathize with because she's already developed this uh, um, arch-rivalry or or her nemesis with um, Dr. Arden, who we definitely clearly, as, as an audience, we know Arden's messed up. We know he's crazy. Jude, we know she's crazy, but she's a l- just a little messed up. You know, she, she's not evil. She's just messed up. So I, I, we're starting to like her in only the fourth episode after hating her in episode one. Exactly. Jude is definitely a complicated character that you, you, you sympathize with even while disagreeing with her on a lot of points. Um, anyway, so going into the next episode, um, I, I, the only thing I wrote down is it looks like Eunice is going to start playing uh, playing cards for uh, Dr. Arden. I saw that too. It looks like she's going to help him out in some way, help cover up his Nazi background. Um, we're going to see Arden versus Jude is going to continue to be a showdown. Um, I'm curious to I'm see to I'm curious to see what Mother Superior has in her pocket to help Jude out. Right. Who is she too? Let's find out a little more about that. Um, we're going to see Lana try to escape, I'm sure. And obviously we're going to see more about Anne Frank. We're going to have to figure out what happens in the standoff with Arden. It looks like he's getting out of there with only a bolt in the leg. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, and there's a. it looks like there's like a class field trip that's going to show up to the asylum soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that about? I don't know. Or maybe that's present day? Maybe we're going to go back to present day? I, uh, I, they looked pretty 60s. That's good, because I would really like to leave present day behind <laughs> at this point. Yeah, uh, well, obviously we're going to have to go back to it at some point. I don't know how it's going to tie To figure out time-traveling bloody face, we're going to have to return at some point. But we have our characters are dead now, so I don't know. Right. Um, okay, so overall, what do you give this episode? Uh, out of five rubber men, what would you give it? Oh, it's so hard. Because, like, when I watch this show, like, I love storyline, but I want to be scared, too. And I was less scared this episode, but I was loving storyline much more. Let me go first, then, because I have a clear number in mind. I, like I said, I feel like this is a season that I've kind of I've got, I've grown to like more as we've come to know the characters more. It's not the same scary as episode as, as season one, but I have confidence that it will continue to get scary. And mm-hmm. I enjoy the the drama and all the plot twists we have going on. I am going to rate this higher than the last two weeks and give it a three out of five rubber men. 
Oh, all right. Wow, that's pretty good mm-hmm. for you, for sure. I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm growing. It's growing on me. I'm, a, I, I, I know I tend to rate a little higher. I think I would give this one. <laughs> this is, this is awful because I think I've given this the, this the same score the past two weeks, but I would give this a three point five. Excellent. I think that that is a solid six and a half. I think that's our highest score of the season so far. Um, I believe so. And I believe, you know what, I think what accounts for that is us getting to know the characters and getting to, um, yeah, getting more into the story. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I I still like, it blows my mind this is only episode four, you know. I I know we have to move through a whole uh, storyline in one season, but episode four like i'm already feeling things for some of these characters i'm like holy crap i would not have thought that and even one episode ago you know i was annoyed with grace and now i'm like oh man well like what what's her deal like i know her storyline now like do i like her do i not like her i'm trying to figure that out for myself everybody's complicated everybody yeah i'm still feeling the more and more i see lana though i, I i'm really liking her she seems like our Heroin, uh, 100%. She's definitely made a rebound, because I was pissed at her in episode two when yeah. she uh, pretty much prevented their escape by calling Kit out. But she's definitely grown on me. Right. I was getting vibes of um, uh, Connie Britton's character. Uh, mm-hmm. um, of, oh, God, what was her name? Um, Harmon. Uh, Mrs. Harmon. Yeah. Mama, yep. Mama, Mama Harmon. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, from season one, where she would do stupid things with and basically all you uh, all you want her to do is just get out of the house which is what i was feeling for for um Vivian uh, Lana Lana oh there it is yeah Vivian Harmon yeah oh, Vivian Lana get out get out of the house get out of the asylum even if you have to let a so-called serial killer out exactly but i you know you got to respect her ambition you got to expect her uh, you know it'll be Absolutely. i'm excited to see what is going to stop them from leaving um, cuz you know it's coming but uh, oh, yeah. I think that we're at a good place. There's a lot uh, on the line here. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next episode. We're coming up on the halfway mark, which is crazy. It is very crazy. Um, as always, before we wrap up here, I would like to remind everybody that um, you can visit our website at thisamericanhorrorstory.com for posts about our you know latest podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes to This American Horror Story Podcast. You can like us on Facebook at This American Horror Story Podcast. And you can send us emails with questions or comments at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Um, once again, I am Tyler Moss, and you can follow me at TJMoss11 on Twitter for updates about the show and other random stuff. And Chris, where can people follow you? And I am on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Chris Husted. That's K-R-I-S-H-U-S-T-E-D. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Happy hauntings. Bye. Dominique, nique, nique, s'en allait tout simplement Où Dieu, pauvre chantant En tout chemin, en tout lieu Il ne parle que du bon Dieu Il ne parle que du à l'époque où Jean Santerre d'Angleterre était le roi, Dominique, notre père, combattit les albigeois. Dominique, nique, nique, s'en allait tout simplement au Dieu.